There's not a lot that I can say. Uh, Vaughn is here. He'll be a part of the team. And, you know, we'll let the investigation and, and we'll follow um, the lead of the, of the NFL uh, from that standpoint. Anticipating that the league would put him on the exempt list and use their own investigation if you heard anything to the contrary on that? Right now, Sal, uh, we don't expect anything based on our conversations. If at any point that, they could, but um, with our knowledge of what we have today, we don't expect that. Brandon, will he be available to play this week? Uh, yes. Brandon Bean, GM of the Bills, addressing an arrest that happened last week of pass rusher Vaughn Miller. He was accused of assaulting a pregnant person, third-degree felony under Texas law. When the allegations first came out, obviously you think commissioner exempt. That's why it's there. Heinous allegation. It is just an allegation, but they put guys who have simply been accused of crimes on the commissioner exempt list on a fairly regular basis. It's a PR tool. It's let's not have this guy around when he's facing these allegations. He's still getting paid. They don't view it as discipline. We just don't want the broadcast to have to talk about him. We're just going to get him him off stage because, Yeah. yeah, because we look bad. We look bad letting him on the stage. But the way the personal conduct policy works, you got to be formally charged for the league to, for lack of a better term, automatically put you on paid leave. They can still do it if they decide through their own investigation there's a strong likelihood that you did what you're accused of doing. The problem in this case, and we're not going to devote a lot of time to it, but the bottom line is the accusations that were made were recanted the next day. So does it ever get to the point where he's formally charged? I don't know. You don't have a cooperating witness. It makes it a little more challenging from the NFL's perspective. How do they even begin to do any investigation to find out what happened when presumably the alleged victim isn't going to talk to them? They have no subpoena power. They have no way to force her to say anything. So it's going to be inconclusive. So the reality is he's been arrested for a third degree felony, assaulting a pregnant person. He hasn't been charged. And the NFL, apparently, Chris, isn't going to do anything until he's formally charged. So it falls into this strange, awkward donut hole for the league. The Bills still get him, right? They're in a playoff push. They want their player on the field. For the league, it hasn't risen to the level yet where they feel like they can do anything, even though there's probably people at 345 Park Avenue that would just as soon put him on the commissioner exempt list and not have him on the field for one of the biggest games of the day. Yeah, I I mean... It, it's unfortunate, you know, it, it's, it's, it's distraction. It's, you know, and not a good look and annoyance, whatever for the Buffalo bills who we know have got enough on their plate right now. Right. I mean, you know, it's, it's, they're trying to survive for their playoff life here and they've dealt with a lot of issues over the last two years. So that's where it stinks for them. And of course with Von Miller, they're paying them huge money, right? You know, you, I think you, you, people would argue paying them maybe more than what he's really worth at this point of his career he certainly hasn't been able to perform at a level that we know Von Miller is capable of. I mean, you watch a Bills game, and you don't really hear Von Miller's name ever, honestly, right now. And I don't say that lightly. I mean, he's the man. He is one of the most gifted pass rushers I've ever seen in my life. But, yeah, he's not that guy right now. They need him to turn the corner uh, and and become that guy you know, again with with the state of their offense at times and the firing of the offensive coordinator and being a little inconsistent over there. The defense is good, 
right? But to me, they got to do a lot of tricks and things to get pressure on the quarterback. Uh, they, they don't have – they can't just say, hey, here's our front four. We're lining up and we're coming after you. They need that ability, especially against some of the better teams in, in football. McDermott always has to trick it up a little bit. Hey, we're blitzing here. Oh, they dropped out. They blitz over here now, and that causes causes chaos of the protection and, and causes advantages for their, their defensive line as far as rushing the passer. But it's hard to play that way and always be successful against the really good offenses in football, and that's where – you know, it could help them greatly if he can get healthy here and become a big-time player again. So we'll see where it goes. But, uh, yeah, unfortunate situation, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see we'll see how it plays out. Bottom line is he'll be playing for the Bills unless and until he's formally charged with that crime of assaulting a pregnant person. And if he's not, it appears the NFL not inclined or not able to do the kind of separate investigation that would allow them to come to a sufficient conclusion that paid leave is justified in this situation. But the habit is there. The device was first originated by the NFL in 2014 between Ray Rice, Greg Hardy, and Adrian Peterson. They realized under certain circumstances, even though innocent until proven guilty and all constitutional protections apply, we're going to tell this guy we're paying you or your team is paying you to not play in this game. So he'll be playing in the game, and the quarterback's playing in this game. Both landed on the injury report yesterday. Now, we knew about Josh Allen's right shoulder. He still showed up as fully participating in practice with the right shoulder, even though they were off in Week 13. One of the surprises, and I always do this on the Wednesday injury report, I look for quarterbacks to pop up that weren't previously on there. And there's Patrick Mahomes fully participating in practice with a pectoral injury. They don't say whether it's left or right. Probably an important distinction for a guy who uses his right arm to throw the football. But we didn't know he was injured. I don't know how bad it is. It didn't limit him in practice. But, you know, year of quarterback injury, Chris, why not have two of the best injured when week 14 rolls around? It's fitting in with everything else that's happened this year. But the good news is they're both on track to not be slowed down, to not miss any game time because of these injuries. Yeah, I don't expect anything to happen here. I mean, first off, these are two gym rats who are obsessed with the game. And, I mean, they got to have a limb falling off for them not to play in the game. You know, Allen has been dealing with this a little bit, so we know he's capable of that. Mahomes, yeah, it's kind of surprising, right? And you're right. I mean, if it's the right pectoral – and, you know, as a throwing arm, right, I know I'm lefty, but to do that, you do get a tremendous stretch through that peck there. And then, of course, you get a lot of flexing as you're coming forward to throw the ball and release it. So that could be extremely uncomfortable, you know. And I wonder when he did that. I didn't see him do anything. I do wonder if it was that hit that he was not, you know, out of bounds with that he called a – a penalty. When I first saw it, that's what I thought of. You're getting hit like this and maybe the, the reshock into the arm and everything there made his pec sore. I don't know. We'll see where it goes. But either way, both guys better be on their A game. We know it's a big football game. It is. Bill's trying to fight for their playoff life. Chiefs trying to stay alive for the number one seed and hope that you know they can close the ground between the Dolphins and the Ravens. And the game is... You know, Buffalo ain't afraid to go into Kansas City. The last two regular seasons, Buffalo's gone in there and beat Kansas City in Arrowhead. So they're not going to be like, oh, no, this is scary. They're used to it. And, of course, we know they had them on the ropes and, you know, really messed up a playoff game in Kansas City where they should have probably won. So 
you know, that's where seconds. it's yeah, that's where it's going to be going to be fun to see because you're going to have a little desperation for both teams as far as one staying in the playoff race and the other one staying in the number one seed race. I feel like the Chiefs are not going to get the one seed. I well, doesn't we feel go, like it. I believe that how it all played out at the end of the day, they're the ones, they're battle-hardened, they know the stakes, they understand the importance of it, but to lose like they did on Sunday night against the Packers, spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak this year for the Kansas City Chiefs. The spirit's always going to be there as long as you have Patrick Mahomes. He just doesn't have enough around him. And this pectoral thing, you know, usually when it's an arm injury, they tell you right or left for a quarterback. Yeah. With Josh Allen, it's not just shoulder, it's right shoulder. Right. Right wrist, left wrist. Peck, I guess, falls beyond the the range of injuries where they have to specify a side of the body. I'm going to try to find out whether it's right or left. I'm, the fact that, that they left it out would make me think that it's a right pectoral, right? That that That's what makes me think it is. If it was a left pectoral, I think they'd write that. You know, the fact that it's right pectoral, I think they don't like that. So they didn't want to put that out there into the, into the universe and give the Bills any ideas or let anybody know. We know how, you know, the secrecy goes in that kind of conversation. Well, and look at it this way. They would have probably preferred not to put it on the injury report at all, but it's apparently bad enough that he got treatment at the facility for it because that's where it's undeniable. You can't hide it. You can but you're, you're, you're providing a smoking gun if and when the NFL comes looking for evidence of an existing injury, you got treatment at the facility and yeah. there's records of treatment that were provided by your training staff to Patrick Mahomes. So it's not just some little bump or bruise. It's something that requires attention and he's gotten attention for it and he's trying to play through it and he was able to fully participate in practice yesterday, which is good. We'll see about today. We'll see about tomorrow. I want to find out which side, yeah. right or left. Yeah, I, I assume think it's that important. during the various media availabilities <laughs> this week, he'll be asked, or someone will be asked, right or left, right. which is it. So uh, I think that information should be out there by the time the game gets started. And the stakes are high for both teams. The Bills had, and we showed the power rankings yesterday, they went up three spots by default. It was a great week for a team that is six and 6-6 six to not play. Steelers lost. Browns lost, Broncos lost, and here we are in that cluster of teams at 6-6 six and six that are in position to possibly yeah. make a move down the stretch. And they'll be dangerous. That's, That's I've said this a few times. Right. If they get in, yes. if you're any of the teams in the you left column, Josh Allen you don't want town. the last of all the teams on the page. A hundred percent. Wild Carter in the hunt, the last team you want showing up. In the postseason in your building is the team that's in the last spot on this page. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, what you tell me, you want to play DTR or Joe Flacco, Kenny Pickett or Mitch Trubisky, Gardner Minshew, or do you want Josh freaking Allen coming to town? That's exactly right. And that's why, the you know, three weeks ago, I would have gone, man, Buffalo, you know, they're in trouble. They, they, they can't. They're not going to be able to get to the playoffs. But – with how things have kind of shaken out here, Cleveland and the quarterback injuries and Deshaun Watson and Pittsburgh and the way they're going, I mean, they're certainly not out of this this playoff race by any stretch of the imagination. And like you said, they are dangerous. They have playoff merit. They're not going to be scared of any football team. You know, they got to go play Miami. They're going to be like, well, we've been, we've been owning Miami for the last three years. What the hell do we care that they've got a seat higher than us? So that, that to your point. 
And that's what's going to be fun about this game Sunday, too. It's going to have a different look than the other Josh Allen-Mahomes matchups we've had. Right? I think I'm excited. It's Allen, we know, but it's the best Chiefs defense Allen's had to play against since he's been the starting quarterback of the Buffalo Bills. They get in your face and play man-to-man, and I go, I don't know if Buffalo's got the type of guys that are going to be able to separate from, from Kansas City and get open against this coverage. So that's going to be interesting. You know, you flip it around, and this is the first time Sean McDermott and the Bills on that side of the ball, they're going to go, wait. We don't have to worry about all the pass game stuff. In fact, it's really we have to stop the run game and Pacheco and just a few plays from Mahomes every game. So it is going to have a different look there. And then Buffalo's not the best on run defense, and we know Kansas City can run the ball this year. The thing is, is can, can, to your point, can Kansas City win some of these games against some of these good teams, you know, running the football and doing that way? You know, they ran the ball pretty good last week. It still wasn't good enough. They couldn't beat the Packers. They ran the ball pretty good against the Philadelphia Eagles. Still wasn't good enough, right? I mean, I am worried. I've been worried. You know that. Seven weeks ago, I was going, the, the, the Chiefs offense is not the same. It's not. They miss Eric Bieniemy to a degree, and they don't know what they are or who they are on offense. They're trying to be a power-run football team, but I don't know if that's really deep in the Andy Reid DNA. I think they're being forced to do that because it's their best and only option right now. And the emergence or non-emergence of a go-to receiver is an issue for the Kansas City Chiefs. So, you know, it, yeah, one team's 8-4, and four, one team's 6-6, six and six, and but I don't think the difference between those two teams is as much as that record would show you. I think it's a very, very close matchup here. Chiefs did not miss Tyree Kill last year in large part because they were t- determined to show that they could win without him, and they did. This year they miss him. This year they – think of how much better they would be this year if they still had – Tyree. Oh, the run game with a guy like him. Yeah, you're right. Right. And the the defense has been so good, although it ultimately didn't hold up against the Packers on Sunday night. It's not like they gave up 45 points. They they held the Packers low enough that if the Chiefs offense had come through, they would have and should have and could have won the game. So the, the Chiefs have a lot of work to do to get to where they want to be. There hasn't been a repeat champion in the NFL since the 03-04 Patriots. And, you know, that's one of the things we have to keep our our eye on, the fact that the Chiefs played so so long last year. There's a certain amount of physical toll. There's just that idea of we just climbed the top of the mountain. It's hard to muster that well. There's always somebody hungrier than the team that just won the championship. There's always somebody else out there who wants it worse than the team that just won it because that team just won it. So the Bills clearly are hungry. The Bills had lost their way. The Bills now have this reprieve that they've been granted, or at least the potential to earn a reprieve from the governor as it looked like the, the Jenga Tower. The Jenga Tower fell, and they've been finding a way to rebuild it. We'll see how much time they spent during their bye week putting those logs or planks or whatever the hell they're called back together again because they do have the potential to get in. And if they get in, they could be dangerous. They could be one of those teams that's the last one to the table that ends up kicking the hell out of everybody like we saw the Packers do in 2010. We saw the Giants kind of do it in 2011 as the five seed. We saw the Steelers do it in 2005 as the last team in. Maybe that happens for the Bills. Because, you know, think of it this way, Chris. They will have a nothing-to-lose mentality. So much different 
than when you're the top seed sure. and you're the front runner yeah. and everyone expects you to win. Right. And ooh, we're the, oh, we can't, oh, oh, we got to be careful. Oh, we're going to blow everything we work for instead of, hey, we weren't even supposed to be here. Yeah. Let's go kick some butt. That's right. And then you talk about that and add that on to a year where as we sit here going into week 14, right? As we go into week 14, yeah, we're going to week 14. As we go into it, you sit here and go, at least I do. I go, there's there's really, I think, only one great team in football right now. It's it's the 49ers. You know, the 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 Eagles are real good. I'm not gonna say they're great. The Ravens have shown when they're at their best, ooh, they look great, but their their valley, when they you know, their peaks and valleys is a big difference. When they're valley, they go they really are like, whoa, that's not that all that impressive, right? It's a year where it seems like you know, we just talked about the Dolphins. They're the number one seed, and we go, they haven't beat one damn good team the whole year, right? So it feels like a year where if a Buffalo Bills got in with the Josh Allen and McDermott game plan on the defensive side that they could pull off some upsets because I just don't know if, you know, we'll see if the Ravens can become that dominant team in the AFC or the Dolphins can be to where we go, ooh, you know, they're great or they're on the cusp of being great. But right now they're not, and that means it's, it's wide open, and it, it's about as wide open as I can remember in, in recent history here. How, how about Bill's 49ers Super Bowl, the annual Chris Berman Super Bowl prediction that never came to <laughs> right. fruition back right. in the 90s? And, <laughs> right. and the Bills win because Jake Moody goes wide right Damn. on a 49-yard Damn. field goal. You're just going to do that to that? my friend? You're going to do that to Shanahan? You're going to have him lose on wide right? What a jerk well, you are. <laughs> well, better, better, than, better than blowing a 28-3 lead, which would also be possible. <laughs> yeah, you're, 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 it is better than that. We'll, we'll see, but you're right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll see. It could, it could be right. interesting. I don't count them out because of the reasons you talked about with Buffalo. All right, let's take a break. More quarterback news involving lesser quarterbacks than Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. We'll do that next here on PFT Live. A different approach. Um, I'm going to have more fun. Zach, is there any part of you now that you're back in the lineup, and I mean this constructively, are you pissed off at all? Like, are you, are you playing with a little extra chip on your shoulder, a little annoyed at the way things have gone? I mean, again, not recklessly, right? almost like as a as a component as a positive. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a it's a mix of both. Like I said, you guys, I'm gonna have more fun than I've ever had in a professional way. At the same time, of course, there's a chip of just feeling like I need to prove something. Feeling like this team needs to prove something. This offense needs to prove something. Zach is back, baby. After they tried Tim Boyle, after they tried Trevor Simeon, they realized maybe we should put Zach Wilson back on the field. This was coming since Monday when the reporting emerged that the Jack, uh, the Jets wanted to go back to him, but Zach Wilson was reluctant, and that's been much discussed and debated and analyzed this week. The bottom line is Zach Wilson is back. I see no reluctance in him. I see a desire to go out there and prove himself. Look, this is your resume for next year. We talked about that. Chris, yesterday about where do you find your motivation when you're a player on a crap team? What you personally do the rest of the way becomes the thing that will make you attractive to your own team or some other team next year. This is his opportunity. If he's not going to be a Jet next year, this is opportunity to prove to someone else, maybe we should give this guy the second chance that could be the thing that turns his career around because he had so many negative forces conspiring against him in New York. So, he should view this as an opportunity 
for himself to lay the foundation to have a great second act somewhere else next that, year. That's right. You know, he, he's just this is this is why you know, like you talked about, yeah. You know, they're still being filmed. You're still being evaluated. Still, teams are looking at you. And it doesn't matter if you're not in the playoff picture or you are in the playoff picture. And Zach Wilson, yeah. I mean, again, he's going to be a guy that, you know, is is going to be coveted to a degree as a second or third stringer no matter where he goes because of his talent, right? I, I, I could totally see an Andy Reid bringing in Zach Wilson and making him a third stringer for a year, right? Maybe behind Blaine Gabbert one more year. And then, okay, he's comfortable in the offense. Now we make him the backup. Then we show everybody how awesome he is in preseason games. And, whoa, look at our backup. He's awesome. You know, if he does have to play in a, a regular season game, he, you know, can can you know, hopefully show his true talents and, and, and be rebuilt by a guy like Andy Reid. We'll see where it goes. But I do know one thing. He was great there in that interview, said the right things. The Jets, by far, have their best chance of winning a football game with Zach Wilson. I mean, it's not even close. It's not even close. I mean, again, he got... You know, the Chargers game, they came off a three-game win streak. He played a Chargers game where he didn't play that bad. They didn't lose because of him in that football game. It was ugly offense and whatever else, but it wasn't like he made dumb interceptions or do that. He got strip-sacked. I understand that. And one of them, certainly, he held the ball too long. The Raiders game, yeah, he. I mean, of course, kept them in it. Their defense was allowed not to fold in the second half and let Josh Jacobs just run all over them. But he threw an interception late in the game, so we got to blame the whole game on Zach Wilson, right? And then, are you kidding me? The last two weeks, they're not even capable of getting first downs. I mean, they can't do anything, right? And then the treatment of him and whether he was reluctant to go out there or not, he should be reluctant. He gets blamed for everything. It doesn't matter. Defense gets run over against the Raiders, blame Zach Wilson. It doesn't matter. Nobody even evaluates the crappy throws and decisions Simeon or Boyle made the last two weeks. If Zach Wilson made those, it would have been 75 people dissecting how stupid but it Chris, was. Chris, so it's crazy. Chris, don't you think? Don't you think? Don't you think that has something to do with the fact that he was the second overall pick in the draft? Sure. A guy. But how much are we going to beat it in into the, the ground, though? We know. Like, okay, but, but it's New York. I know, it's but everybody. But so the New York, they it. make all these excuses for everybody else with this Boyle and Simeon. Man, it's the offense they're isn't God. They're making excuses. It's, it's bullcrap. No, they target they him care. more they than they care. should. All right. They don't care because they want headlines. I think with I think with Boyle and Simeon, they just accept that it's going to be ass. They just don't care. Well, I they, don't think it's you know if they you know, there was no outcry when Tim Boyle got cut. There's no push for Trevor. They Simeon were to crying play. for they him to play, Mike. They were sucked. crying for him to play up here. They, they let were, the Jets fans run the organization too much, and most of them are idiots. The Jet fans, most of them are. Sorry, Robert Sala. Yeah, on going back to Zach Wilson. Play the sound. Well, we believed he was the best, uh, uh, best quarterback in terms of giving us a chance to win. Um, you know, Tim and and uh, Trevor uh, trying to spark the offense and all that, and uh, and those two are very talented quarterbacks. Don't get me wrong, but uh, but in in my opinion, uh, Zach gives us the best chance to win. And why did you? That you always thought he would. He gave you guys the best chance to win. For sure. Then why did you? Then why did you mention? Well, when things aren't going good, obviously we haven't been scoring, um, trying anything to get the offense going, uh, and we've tried everything. 
Every once in a while at a press conference, Robert Sala flashes a blank stare that I think residing behind it is something like this. Man, I wish I could tell you all what I really think. <laughs> I wish I could tell you all some more about what really goes on here. I wish I could tell you how much Woody Johnson has been up my butt with do this and do that and do this and do that. Now, again, I don't know, but I just feel like in his demeanor, it just kind of oozes through that, you know, I'm trying. Guys, I'm trying. You know, I didn't want to bench Zach Wilson. I was told to bench Zach Wilson, that kind of thing. You know, I, I, maybe I wanted Joe Flacco, but I was told I couldn't have Joe Flacco. So I, it's, it's, it's a, it's just, it's a friggin' mess. It really is a mess. It's a tough situation. And I think that, I think that it's gotten so bad and there's still five games to play. It could get so much worse that it affects next year. I think it's already affecting You've heard me next saying year. that. And yeah. I, I fully expect Aaron Rodgers to play his annual game of, I'm going to go sit in a dark closet, I'm going to have some ayahuasca, I'm going to eat some magic mushrooms before I decide whether to play again next year and draw that out into a whole thing and hold the Jets hostage the way he's held the Packers hostage. And maybe he does start looking around for some other alternative where he can go somewhere and be the king and get them to bring in all of his friends because now he's starting to get some pushback from the Packers, uh, from the Jets, excuse me, about, you know, his desire to basically run the show. Maybe there's some other team out there. I don't know that there will be after what happened this year, but I just feel like this thing potentially is going to screw up next year for the Jets if they don't get it straightened out between now and week 18 uh, the, you, you know you've been hearing me say that right in the viewing room on sunday all of that right where like yeah but by all due accounts a few weeks ago you went yeah it's all good but it's teetering on the point of penalties mismanagement of game mismanagement of media talking or texting joe beningo who doesn't even work for the fan anymore wfn and then he's coming up and reading texts from robert sala right there's the the way the offenses look personal fouls you know the 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 hail mary at the end of the half there, it, it's becoming to a point where yeah i worry that aaron Rodgers won't even be able to save this formula that's where they gotta fight for something here down the stretch it doesn't look good and yeah, is and and I think to to your point with Rodgers, I don't think this will be a year where he goes on the ayahuasca retreat. I think he's going to try to right away go. I want to play, and he's going to try to say, I want this group here. This is why he came here because he can play king with this group, and there's not going to be anywhere else out there with king, you know, to be the king. And you know, if of course a new regime comes in, you're rolling the dice on. I don't know what's going to be in here, so I don't know what kind of offense that'll be. And now I got to learn to deal with them. Things are just the way he likes them in New York right now. Wow. So that's where I don't expect. But there are him. cracks. I know there's cracks. There are cracks. There's we cracks. played it yesterday. Yeah. He's not happy with the leaks about Zach Wilson. He called it chicken shit and. Robert Sala had to respond to that yesterday. I don't think there's an issue with the organization. I don't think there's a problem with the leaks, whatever. But it's the first tangible sign of stress in the relationship, and he's not even playing. It's because he continues to be in the public eye. Look, there's a, a course to be taught here somewhere on the right way and the wrong way to handle a season-ending week one injury. And, and I, I, 
I don't know that it's been good for anybody that Rodgers continues to be in the spotlight talking every single week. I, he's allowed to. He's got to be right to. I just don't know that it's in his best interest or the team's best interest for him to be constantly talking yeah, when no, he's I, not yeah, playing. Right. I think it creates a distraction for the team, Agreed. and it's created an issue now that they're going to have to deal with. This is part of the reason why I think 2024 has been undermined. Here's Wilson from yesterday finally getting a chance to respond. You know how I how I feel about this. I think the Athletics should have given him a chance to chime in before they initially reported this thing that can't be put back in the bottle now. Here's Zach Wilson two days later with his press conference addressing the report from the Athletic that he was reluctant to return to action. Zach, there was a report I'm sure you're aware of on Monday that said you had expressed some reluctance about becoming the starter again. Is there any truth to that? Absolutely not. You know, absolutely not. I, uh, I love the guys in this locker room, and I would do anything. And I think any time you have an opportunity to step on this field, you need to take advantage of it. Is it possible you maybe, in a conversation with someone in the building, made an offhand comment that could have been construed as you being reluctant? I don't think so. I mean, I don't think so. Um, I believe, for whatever reason, that when things go bad, things go bad like this. But I know this locker room and me have a great relationship, and I've never once said that to anybody in this locker room that I wouldn't want to play. And so that's why I think we have such a good backing is, is everybody knows I care about this team. Everyone knows I'm going to do everything I can for the guys in this locker room, no matter the situation. The key answer there was, I don't think so. You either know or you don't know. If you said something that would suggest you don't want to play, you would know that you said it or didn't say it. And I'm not trying to be critical of him. I just think that this gets back to the original question of whether or not it should have even been reported without reaching out to him or the team. And this is the world we live in now. We got to get engagements. We got to get retweets. We got to get subscriptions to The Athletic. So let's push this out there. Damn the torpedoes. The hell with the consequences. Who cares if it's right or wrong? Someone told us we're hearing it. I don't know that it's right or wrong. It's, I'm, I'm hearing it, so let's just put it out there, even if it's inaccurate. And I think that's what happened. The guy's frustrated, like, like millions of employees are in every shape and size of industry. And you say something in frustration that you don't mean. But you're just frustrated. Everybody in that organization is frustrated, and everybody is going to say things they don't mean. And all it takes is one person to go run and tell, and you get this mess. I think that's it. And when he says, I don't don't think so, he's thinking, I must have said something that someone misconstrued or took me seriously when I was just blowing off some steam. And, man, I wish I would have had a chance to, to, to give my side of this before I get painted with the brush of somebody who refuses to play football. Yeah, I agree with you. Agree. Uh, I, it, it does feel like something like that happened. At the same time, I I wouldn't fault him if he said those things anyways. Like, hey, right, we're thinking, right. of, you know, if, oh, we're thinking about going back with you, going back to you. Oh, are you got? He would have been every bit in his right to go. Are you guys gonna fucking blame everything on me? Is it, so oh, if yeah, I go back yeah. in there, you're going to blame it all on me, everything that goes wrong? Josh Jacobs runs for a 60-yard run up the middle. Hey, Zach, it's your fault. I mean, so for he was all in his right to say that. Let Daddy? alone, again. Daddy, what did that man say? <laughs> yeah. What was that word? Yeah. Let alone, like, you know, to what you said, okay, is like with the going back to Rodgers talking. And, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people in the league look at Rodgers going, what is he doing talking that much? Rogers verified that it was he said it. That that's that's the problem when you talk a lot and you go on shows like that. I mean, they they didn't leak a lie. Leaks are true. Leaks are true. 
Rodgers said this leak stuff has to stop happening. That means there was truth behind the leak, right? It, it's the, well, Even if it was, he made an offhand comment. Yeah. I mean, that's the problem. It was an underdeveloped truth. Yeah, okay. It was gossip. Right. It was hearsay. Sure. It Whatever, was, maybe. Let's take this and run with it yeah. because yeah. we're running a business here and we want to have a big splash so people will come subscribe to The Athletic. I mean, let's call it what it is. Yeah, uh, listen, maybe. And and again, maybe he said what I said. Maybe he was like, oh, yeah, you want to go back to me? So you can, I mean, okay, there's reluctance. Somebody spoke out against it. I don't really care either way. I don't fault Zach Wilson for doing that. He's been mistreated by the Jets, the fan base, everybody. I know he hasn't been good. I get it. And I'm not sure he ever will be good. All I'm just saying is the treatment is unfair. That's all I was saying. Uh, so we'll see where this goes. Just but wait. he gives just him a fighting wait. chance. Just wait. Wait yeah. until next year yeah. when Aaron Rodgers plays and he's not the guy that you used to sing about. Right. And, he's not, and he throws a few interceptions. Just wait until he's the one who's feeling the wrath of Fireman Ed. Wait until he's the one that people are leaking stuff about. Because, you know, here's, here's what happens. This is, this is law of the jungle stuff. When you let people know what gets under your skin, you know what's going to happen when they're looking for ways to get under your skin. It's going to be leak, 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 leak about Aaron <laughs> Rodgers because, oh, man, he's going to lose his shit during a press conference. He's going to go on McAfee, and he's going to, Create some more content that we can continue to throw into this media machine that we're just churning and churning and churning. That's what you get when you take a job with the New York Jets. That's what you get when you're in that market. And I just wonder whether he just didn't think of that or just did, or this was his best opportunity. I don't know. I don't know. I just think you have to be part of it and live in it to truly appreciate it. He went a generation in Green Bay where it's the exact opposite. Of what it is in New York. Yeah. And he's getting a taste of it, and he's not even playing. Just wait till next year. Mark my words. When he, unless he's great, unless he's O'Aaron Rodgers MVP and never makes a mistake, he starts making mistakes, and it's going to be leak, 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 and he's going to lose his mind. I, 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 I don't disagree. You know, we'll, we'll see where that goes. We'll see. But, yeah, there's a lot of stuff here. For the Jets, four and eight, how they look, how they finish, what the off season will be like. Rogers, Sala, Hackett, that whole situation. You know where I would have said four weeks ago, it doesn't matter. They're all coming back because of the Rogers thing. Like I said, it's teetering on enough issues here where maybe not even Rodgers begging Woody Johnson to bring back that crew is going to be enough, and that's where they need to be careful. They do. So dysfunctional you know, teams they can do dysfunctional strong. things. Yeah. Right. Dysfunctional teams do dysfunctional things. And I could see Woody Johnson thinking, yeah, I'll just fire Robert Sala and Joe Douglas. And I've got Aaron Rodgers to dangle here as an inducement to bring in an all-star cast. Yeah, you're not. No, no, that's an impediment. One year with Aaron Rodgers where he thinks he runs the show is not going to attract great talent to New York. You may think it will. It's not going to do it. All right. One last point. Oh, we're going to get a break. Tell me to go to break. See, I didn't get a chance to talk about the Vikings. Now, we talk too much about the Jets. We'll get to it. We'll get to your favorite team. He promises we'll find a way to let you know what the latest is with the Vikings. Or PFT Live right after this.
Oh, uh, you were getting started. a little nervous. Don't get them started. Don't get them started. Uh, they're going mean, to get hurt. They're going to get hurt. Well, they don't care. They don't care. They don't care if they get injured right. along the way. These are the guys who roll out of bed and run through the wall, and they're going to get hurt. The way they play is not conducive to keeping their key players healthy. That's the great conundrum for the 49ers. What makes them great is what puts them at risk of not being great. What makes them great makes them susceptible to losing games. But the thing that makes them great is the thing that makes them susceptible to getting their core players injured. It's not all that outlandish to think that the 49ers are going to get some guys banged up because they play that way. (laughs) They got to take you off the default setting. Uh, The default setting for you when you hit the switch and talk about the 49ers he talks about, hey, the way they play, their injuries could happen. Hey, the injuries, the way they play, injuries could happen. Hey, they run through a wall. First of all, injuries could happen. <laughs> first of all, first of all, it's 100% right. <laughs> Second of all, I don't see, not that I watch other shows or listen to other things because I really don't want to have other people's ideas infiltrate my brain. I don't know that that's a common theme, even though it's obvious. The 49ers, it's a great, it's the, it's, it's the most intriguing wrinkle to this season. They're the best team by far when they're healthy, but the thing that makes them great is the thing that can keep them from being healthy. There's nothing wrong with that. I want to know who put that together because I'm in the process of putting a Christmas list together, and I'm going to take your name off of it. Uh, it's so, Pete Demolitolitis. I'm holding take Pete, Pete off. That's Pete. Pete. Okay. Pete, way to go, Pete. Bottle of wine. Don't worry, or, Pete. Or I'll give you ready, two gifts. Get ready for a bottle of Boone's Farm. Don't worry, Pete. Oh. Whatever he doesn't give two you, joints. I'll double it. All right, Pete? Don't you worry, right. okay? You keep making the, the hits there. I like 14. it. Week 14. <laughs> Seahawks at the 49ers. Brock Purdy, longest completion. These odds all come from the DraftKings Sportsbook, by the way. You can bet on the longest completion by Brock Purdy in a game which is just kind of a weird thing to root for. But, hey, whatever floats your boat. 38-and-a-half is the over-under for the longest Brock Purdy completion. Are you over or are you under? He did it twice last week with touchdown passes to Debo Samuel. Longest completion against the 49 or the Seahawks, excuse me, when they played on Thanksgiving night was just 28 yards to Brandon Ayuk. So are you over or under 38.5? Uh, I'm going to go over here. I am. I mean, I think they've hit their stride and just how dangerous they are. I mean, look at that. Yeah, over 38.5 or, you know, two completions over 38 last week. He throws what? One ball, nine yards over the middle, uh, 50 yard touchdown. Here's another one. Oh, I threw it behind the line of scrimmage. Yes, 46 yard touchdown pass, right? So I, the way they're playing, as dangerous as they are, you know, Seattle being desperate, their defense not being very good, all of that. I'm going to go with the over there, Mike. Yeah, I think so as well. All right, Rams at the Ravens. Great game. Great game. Rams won three in a row, feeling confident, OBJ angle. Lamar Jackson's over under for combined passing and rushing yards is 251.5. He's cleared that in 7 to 12 games, but. The weather on Sunday in Baltimore could include rain and a 30-mile-per-hour wind gusts. So, 251.5, combined pass rush, over or under against the Rams' defense? I'm going to go under, you know, not by a lot. But, one, I got great respect for the Rams and their scheme and what they do, right? You heard me say on Monday they got a little bit more size on the defensive line than they do in years past. Um, And and the the weather, how can you not – 
take that into account. I, 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 that, that is not conducive to a, a high-flying show or anything like that. So, yeah, I'm going to go under there. Yeah, I think so as well. And, look, I just feel like the Rams. Yeah, they're scary. Kind of, like, you know, we, we, we like to write teams off, and we like to set a narrative early, and we resist revisiting the narrative as long as we possibly can. The Rams' narrative is something that needs to be yeah. revisited and reevaluated. Why is he not more in the head from the ground? Coach up. of the year conversation. You know, what, uh, it's unbelievable uh, right. what they've done. What they've done, and and I think that we just assumed there was going to be a multi-year bill to pay after what happened with going all in to win the Super Bowl. Hey, they, they've still got some key players, and they are right in the thick of things. And that could be a great game on Sunday. Colts at the Bengals. All sorts of playoff implications there. More passing yards. Gardner Minshew, the backup to Anthony Richardson, or Jake Browning, the guy who's come in for Joe Burrow. Over-unders are identical, 226.5. Which one's going to have more passing yards in that game? Uh, that's that's a close one. Um, the Bengals have maybe a little more talent on their offense. I feel like I have a little more faith, though, overall, just in the, the Colts' defense. Right? The Bengals defense, man, the big plays, the way they're getting torn up. And then you got Shane Steichen and a run game and creative ways to throw the football. I'm going to go with Gardner Minshew. I'm going to pick, I, I think he outduels Jake Browning in this one, at least as the statistical part of the game. I'm not sure who I'm going to pick to win that game yet. I'm going to go with Browning just because he's got Jamar Chase and he's got T. Higgins and he's got Tyler Boyd as long as Boyd doesn't throw the ball and just focuses on catching the ball. <laughs> right. I feel like the Bengals the Bengals have, have figured out we can pivot and we can adjust and we can get a lot out of this offense even without Joe Burrow at quarterback. All right, Bucks at Falcons. And the Buccaneers, you know, think of it this way. Saints beat the Panthers on Sunday as they should. Bucks beat the Falcons as they could. You got three-way tie at six and seven atop the NFC South. So Mike Evans, who has now what nine straight or is it ten straight? It's ten straight thousand-yard receiving seasons. He went over a thousand this past Sunday. His over/under for yards in this game is seventy-two point five. He's had seventy or more in five of his last seven games, including eighty-two when they played the Falcons back in week seven, are you over or under 72 and a half for Mike? Um, it's easy over. I'm going over. I mean, one AJ Terrell, the top corner for the Falcons is a little banged up. He's got a concussion. We'll see where that goes. The Falcons do play man to man. They'll give him some shots. The bucks, they feature Mike Evans and they're pretty aggressive with taking a few shots down the field to him every game. I'm amazed what Mike Evans is doing. You know, I've always been amazed with Mike Evans. So really, six five runs four three, right? I mean, he just is is one of the best of the era as far as what we've seen at that position. He hasn't been on a whole lot of great teams, but you know, we saw him do some damn good things the first year with Brady, winning the Super Bowl, and all that. I'm gonna go over in this one. They'll find a way to get Mike Evans the ball a few times in some big plays. This is their chance to really rectify. And there's some weird stuff happening with the Bucks. Chris Godwin's wife calling out. Todd Bowles saying that he lied about Bowles not getting more than three targets last week because he was in and out of the lineup the whole game. He had 82% of the snaps. She called him out, said, why are you blatantly lying about my husband? So there's some weirdness happening with the Bucks, but Mike Evans isn't part of it. I'll go over. Maybe the under for Chris Godwin, but the over <laughs> for Mike something. Evans. All right. Uh, don't forget on DraftKings Sportsbook this season, new customers can bet $5 and pocket $150 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Download the app and use the promo code PFTLIVE 
when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. When we return, the anticipated memo from the league office about what people who aren't playing in a game can and can't do on the sidelines. That's next here on PFT Live. Chris, we're still waiting to find out what's going to happen with the Eagles and head of security Dom DeSandro after that crazy incident from Sunday where Dre Greenlaw tackles Devontae Smith at the sideline of the Eagles, draws a flag for unnecessary roughness. In comes Dom DeSandro to break it up, standing on the white stripe where he should not be. And then Dre Greenlaw throws the punch that kind of grazes the face of DeSandro. Both are rejected. And... I've been trying to figure out where this is going to go. And there's two prongs to this. What is the league going to do about the Eagles and DeSandro? And what is the league going to do about the future? Well, the memo came out yesterday reminding teams in very strong terms about what non-players can and can't do, where they can and can't be. And this is the key line. Under no circumstances are club personnel to engage with or make physical contact with another club's players or personnel. DeSandro put his hands on Greenlaw. Whatever the motivation, just trying to keep the peace, just trying to prevent a fight, just trying to keep this from escalating, that's what the officials are there for. Someone who isn't a player who's on the sideline should never walk onto the white stripe and do that. And this isn't an indictment of Dom DeSandro's character. It's not a commentary about whether or not he's a good guy or a bad guy. He did what he did, and he shouldn't have done it. And here's the key, and we reported this yesterday before the memo was leaked to everybody, including us. There was a memo in September specifically targeted to the conduct during games of non-players. So no one can say... Oh, you didn't remind us recently. I mean, that memo was out there. And the fact that that memo was sent, that changed my opinion completely because previously my attitude was, okay, fine. There's no need to hammer Dom DeSandro or the Eagles. Let's just say going forward, this is what the rule is going to be. And if somebody runs afoul of it, there's going to be hell to pay. They already sent out the there's going to be hell to pay memo in September. So there's going to be hell to pay now that the Eagles and DeSandro violated what the league had made it clear non-players shouldn't, shouldn't do. Well, it, you know, I mean, as we talked about Monday, it's a no-no, right? Everybody knows that. You know, you're not in the uniform. You don't get involved in altercations. You got no business. It's not your fight. You know, just sit back and watch the game and do what you're supposed to do. So th- that's a no-no. And like you said, Dom DeSandro, I, I, I mean, I think he's awesome. I like him. It's not an assassination on his character. Definitely not. He made a mistake here. He was wrong. The Eagles coaches are... You know, their whole staff, they're a little emotional. We've seen that, too. And that's not a bad thing. I like that about them. But, I mean, we saw Nick Sirianni jawing with people two different times in the pregame, you know, uh, on Sunday, right? Let alone yelling at Chiefs fans after that game, doing stuff like that. So they're, they are that group. Now, you know, the, the, you're right. The, the memo is going to change the aspect there. Now, what I will say is just because they got that memo doesn't mean they read that to everybody. It wasn't they, like they went down to Dom DeSandro's office and were like, hey, Dom, we got this memo here. You know, Sometimes things like that, they get read and they go, well, we don't really have that problem anyways. Yeah. We don't need to read it to the team. So who knows well, where that well, filter is. Well, but either way, they're liable because it's out there. I hear that. Exactly, exactly. Anything that comes from the league to the teams that has lists of things that people can and can't do, 
that needs to be taken seriously and communicated thoroughly to anyone involved because they're watching this. And if we have an accidental screw up, they're not going to say to us, oh, you didn't send out the memo. Oh, that's okay. We sent you the memo and we expect you to do something with it. That's it. Once I found out, because look, as you can imagine, the Eagles are exercising their prerogative to work the back channels to try to make their case to people who may or may not have a platform in this business, who may or may not be criticizing what they did. And that may or may not include me. Once I found out about that memo from September 13, which obviously the Eagles aren't going to lead with in their efforts to try to work people in the back channels, that memo changed everything. That memo is bad for the Eagles. It's bad for Dom DeSandro. The matter remains under review. And I think, I don't know whether they're going to make an announcement to the world what they're going to do. They may want to handle it quietly. But I think there's going to be a consequence from 345 Park Avenue, and they'll probably give the Eagles the chance to be the ones to administer the discipline first. And if the Eagles don't do it, then yeah. the league will. Well, that's and we where, may never know about it. Yeah, it, you're right, and I, I kind of think that's that's how it'll it'll happen. The Eagles will want to do it themselves, hey, so it doesn't become a league. Put the thing. cameras on, right? Put the cameras but, on yeah, Sunday night. You know, well, I mean, we got the game. Let's again, see if he's there. Yeah, you know, putting your hands on him, and by all due accounts, reading his lips, him putting the hands on first and saying that's BS. Right, it was all all wrong. Let alone, like, I don't even think there should have been a penalty on the play. I don't think it was like an egregious late oh. hit or anything like that either. I thought it was all a little weird. Yeah. All right, we gotta go to break. Yeah. All right, PFT Week 14 matchup draft. When we return right after this. Uh, feel great about. Uh, kind of our bi-week process of really, uh, you know, two layers to it, evaluating uh, kind of where Josh has been as far as uh, immediately providing a spark and helping us win two football games um, and then, you know, transitioning to uh, some tough, you know, tough outcomes where uh, there's all kinds of things that we could we could do better, we could coach better. Uh, Josh has continued comfort um, in our offense and, and how we play, but also uh, our offense and, and our staff's ability uh, to evolve and, and, and help Josh thrive uh, is our uh, is our plan. We're very confident in him. Well, well, well. After giving no assurances that Josh Dobbs would continue to be the Vikings starter after the Week 13 bye, and Chris, you and I both interpreted. Kevin O'Connell's words last week is meaning maybe Nick Mullins would get the opportunity to feed the ball to Justin Jefferson because he knows the offense and how to get the ball to him. Back to Josh Dobbs. How surprised were you by that? I was surprised. I was. In fact, when I saw the Josh Dobbs thing, I went, wait, let me look up. Is Justin Jefferson not playing, right? Because I thought, yeah, logically, like you said, Mullins knows the offense. He's been there. He knows how to feed the ball to the receivers. I think he's... Maybe every bit as good a thrower, if not better than Dobbs. So I thought, oh, they'll do that. If there's no Justin Jefferson, they'll go with Dobbs because he can run. And because of the bye week, they'll come up with a few wrinkles running him and quarterback design run plays to help out the offense because of the lack of Justin Jefferson. So I was surprised by that. All right, we got to motor through. I also think he's going to be short leash. Yeah, I would think so. At the Raiders. Right. I'll have Nick Mullins ready to go. Yep. Turnovers happen again. He's out. Mullins is in. All right, matchup draft. We got to motor through it. What are you looking at for week 14? Well, I'm going to go to our game, Sunday Night Football. And, and, and one of the, we know the Dallas Cowboys play man to man. And last week, we saw the Cowboys 
play man-to-man and Deron Bland play man-to-man against a guy who's a freak in DJ Metcalf. Well, guess who's up? Another freak from the Philadelphia Eagles. His name is A.J. Brown. His muscles are just as big as D.K. Metcalf, and he might be a better receiver than D.K. Metcalf. So I got my eye on that. That's, that's going to be fun to watch. I mean, the Cowboys, they don't back down from anybody, smart or stupid. I don't know. Sometimes I, go, I don't know why you're being that aggressive, but that's going to be a matchup that certainly will dictate who wins that football game. Mississippi teammates drafted the same year and uh-huh. both have done extremely well. Right. I want to go to that Texans-Jets game because Derek Stingley Jr., third overall pick in 2021, one spot before Sauce Gardner, and there's been a lot of criticism of Stingley. Stingley's played great, and he gets a chance. It's Gardner versus Stingley in the same game. They won't be on the field together, but that's okay. We do it with quarterbacks all the time. I like the idea of Stingley having a chance to show everyone that, yeah, there's a reason the Texans took him before Sauce Gardner. Yeah, it is. I mean, he's certainly closing that gap, definitely. And, you know, Stingley plays way more man-to-man than, than, than uh, Sauce Gardner. You know, they will match him up a little bit, where that almost never happens with the Jets. So uh, be interesting, and you're right. That'll be personal to both of those, maybe more to to Stingley than anybody. Um, I think the next one I'm going to go to, along the same lines of what I just did here uh, just a second ago, I'm going to go Stephon Diggs versus the Chiefs DBs. You know, I don't know who's going to match up against him. It might be McDuffie. But just like we talked about with the Cowboys, the Chiefs are going to play man-to-man. They're going to get in the face of these Bills receivers. Are, who can separate? Who's going to be able to make some plays, get open for Josh Allen, and you know, put some pressure on this Chiefs defense? Uh, I think that's going to be really, really interesting to watch because we know the Bills, other than Diggs, have had separation problems. I'm going with the Bears defense against Jared Goff because Whoa. just a couple of weeks ago it was three interceptions. Could have been a fourth. Jalen Johnson had it in his hands. Would have been a pick six, and the Bears would have won the game. Lions came back and won, but now it's outdoors in Chicago, and the Bears had two weeks to get ready for it. Will they make Goff look like he did the last time they played? We'll do round three right after this. Happy birthday, Terrell Owens. The Hall of Famer is 50. God. Are you kidding me? I can't believe 50. it. 50. That's old. I'm 58. That's old. And he looks like he can still play. Seriously. And up until very recently, he has been saying he'd still like to play. His last shot was 2012. He was training camp in preseason with the Seahawks. Had the drop season a little bit and didn't stick around. But um, one of the all-time greats. He's up there in that conversation with Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, all-time great receivers in the NFL. All right, we got one more round. No doubt. Uh, I just want to wax poetically about Terrell Owens. Happy birthday because he he is amazing. Terrell Owens is one of the few people in my career, Mike, where I'll never forget the first time, you know, on the field with him, watching him going, oh, my gosh, these are all professionals out here, but he's something else. I don't know what he is, right? That's where it just was absolutely special. Um, All right. My matchup draft last pick. I'm gonna go. Some, I'm going back to our game. The the Cowboys D line versus the Eagles O line. That's where I'm going. That's been the problem. That's why the Cowboys can't beat the Eagles or the 49ers. They are are smaller. They can't stand up to the size. I've never seen anybody pass protect last week the way they did against the 49ers. They couldn't even get close to Jalen Hurts. I'm going to be interested to see that one. Last one for me, something we mentioned briefly earlier. OBJ versus the Rams defense. Whoa. It's a little shot at the team that I thought was going to keep him 
but yeah. didn't. We're done. Check out the match of the Picks podcast coming up later today. See ya.